Back in January, I wrote something in my journal that I think is kind of interesting. Here's an excerpt. There are two aspects to the problem that I'm currently facing. The first is that I'm spending time and energy on problems that are not meaningful or interesting to me. The second is that I'm not working with my hands enough. I'm going to try to better understand this by looking at and trying to better understand a few things. One of the things that I struggle with most is finding something meaningful in my life. Writing is important to me, but I think that its value to me is not something that I'm able to share. It has been and will continue to be very difficult for me to earn money through writing or even gain a sizable readership. Indeed, any of my artistic pursuits are unlikely to garner much public attention. Accepting this is going to be difficult for me, even though I'm reluctant to admit that I like the work that I produce, for the most part. Writing will likely always be part of my life, even if in just the form of journaling, much like I'm doing right now. Writing helps me process my thoughts. Work used to provide me with interesting challenges. Since the pandemic began, these problems have largely devolved into administrative and trite ones. Showing students how to make a copy of a document after showing them how to access it is important, but the frequency with which this happens, and I need to repeat this process, is exhausting. Similarly, showing colleagues how to connect speakers, projectors, and printers to their computers is weighing on me. I can't seem to move past these problems into a space that allows for more intricate and engaging thought and discussion. It annoys the hell out of me. What I want to be working on are problems that are more of a challenge to me and can't be easily solved. I don't want these problems to be about behavior. I'm tired of people being impolite and abrasive, either out of ignorance or conceit. I don't understand how people can act so poorly with others on such a consistent basis. I can be an asshole, but not without prompting. These problems challenge my emotions and not my intellect. I want to work on intellectually challenging problems. Hey folks, this is Ali and welcome to today's episode of Teaching and Learning, One Teacher's Audio Diary. In this podcast, I share some of my perspectives and ideas on education. I never thought I'd share that when I wrote it. When looking at my teaching practice, I can ask some questions about what my program looks like. What sorts of problems do students want to be working on? What sorts of problems are they being presented with? How is education enabling them to fully realize their potential without placing implicit value on their choices? Why aren't they able to make copies copies of digital documents without first running through a flurry of confusion? The last two years have been emotionally challenging for everyone. I've yet to meet someone who feels like they've thrived in the last couple of years. Sure, good things have come out of the situations we found ourselves in, but not without a cost. Everything comes at a cost. In education, I think that cost has been a mutual understanding of our objectives and desires. In a knowledge-based society like ours, we think that by naming a problem, we will be in a better position to find a solution to it. With people, we provide diagnoses and labels. Anxiety, depression, ADD, ADHD, auditory processing disorder, gross motor, and fine motor development. Labeling something helps us by giving us a definition. Within that definition are markers to help us navigate the problem by either addressing it or working around it. Applying labels is like placing buckets underneath a painting. We start to become focused on the mess we might create instead of the beauty being colored onto the canvas. We are trying to catch drips of paint, even though most of it is being placed right where it's meant to be. We hear a lot about the learning gap in student anxiety. Students seem to not be at the maturity level we expect from them. Their attention seems to be forever diverted. Even social interaction seems to be stilted. People are adaptable and students are just responding to the situations that they find themselves in. Limited to interactions on their phones, students will learn how to communicate with each other through them. Once back in the classroom, students are forced to relearn how to communicate with one another using spoken words and body language. In many ways, the masks come off when we see each other in person. 
I'd argue that students haven't been faced with as many emotional challenges that require empathy and compassion in the last couple of years as they would have had they been in the classroom full-time. The classroom is a challenging place. It requires a certain social aptitude to be able to navigate well. There are implicit hierarchies, an endless number of distractions, and a range of personality types. You can't remove yourself from the environment in order to make sense of it before you respond to it. You're in the thick of it. You're in the weeds. You're on display, the same as everyone else. Here's the rub. We can't get to the intellectual problems, the problems that I'm most interested in until we first address the emotional ones. Classrooms are not lecture halls or boardrooms. People bring their emotional states with them into the classroom and often place them on the desks in front of them. Teachers and students do this. This is why a classroom has to be a safe place. People have to be able to express themselves freely while also standing firm when challenged. People should be able to paint the painting they want to paint. In the curricula that were most recently re released here in Ontario, there's a strand for social-emotional learning. The strand is meant to address students' mental health through a focus on things like stress management, critical thinking, and a growth mindset. Interestingly, teachers are not to report on this strand because we have not received sufficient training to do so effectively. We don't have enough training and knowledge to understand our biases and how they impact our assessment of students' learning. We are meant to focus on the strands that are most easily quantifiable. How can we be expected to take an academic approach to student learning when we find ourselves in the learning environment that we do? How can we expect students to engage in meaningful learning to the extent that we are required to when we work in an emotionally precarious environment? Why haven't we, as a system, adjusted the learning expectations to meet the current needs of the students, just like we've been trained to do in our own classrooms? Prior to the pandemic, the education system was trucking along comfortably. There was a mutual, though implied, understanding of its value. Nothing had yet come along to upset its self-perception. Now, however, it's being stubborn and asking everyone else to adjust and change. It prescribes rules that it, it itself is unwilling to or incapable of following. It is not taking a critical look at itself and trying to look for new ways to provide value to the community that it serves. In January, I realized that I had to change my approach. What I had been doing wasn't working anymore. Writing, for as much as I love it, wasn't bringing the joy and satisfaction into my life that I was wanting it to. I didn't set it aside so much as give it new value. In a sense, it was redefined. Education now needs to do the same. The system needs to redefine its values and make the necessary adjustments to ensure that students and teachers meet with a reasonable standard of success. The adjustments that people are currently making will likely undermine the system eventually. The problems that the education system is currently facing have already been named, but they have yet to be properly defined. This isn't going to be resolved by placing more buckets down. What we need to do is learn how to appropriately appreciate individual brushstrokes. Thank you so much for listening, folks. If you'd like to have future episodes appear automatically in your feed, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, where you can also leave a review. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at MrGTutors or on the website at www.MrGTutors.com. Remember, the best way to do your job is to do it honestly. Talk to you soon, folks.